guys. Welcome back to the Allergic to Grace podcast. I'm Victoria. And I'm Whitney. We're so glad you joined in to listen today. Before we jump into chapters 22 through 24, let's recap what we talked about last episode in chapters 19 through 21. So in chapters 19 through 21, God rescues Lot before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham travels to the land of Greer and basically relives the drama that he made for himself in Egypt with King Abe. Sarah gives birth to Isaac. Hagar and Ishmael are cast out of the family. And at the end of chapter 21, King Abe and Abraham make a non-aggression treaty that's supposed to last through the generations. So that brings us to today's chapters for discussion, starting in chapter 22. Um, And it kind of opens with Abraham just, you know, going along his day-to-day doing what Abraham does. And it's just, God says, Abraham (laughs) calls out his name. And he's just like, I'm here. Like, what, what's up? What's up? Can you imagine just you going throughout your entire day? And it just, Whitney, (laughs) no, (laughs) wasn't expecting that one. Right. And it just falls from the sky or he's just talking to you. But anyway, so this is in chapter 22, where God tells Abraham to take his only son, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Is that how you would say that? That's how I would say it. And offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountains of which God would tell him. So basically, God is instructing Abraham to kill his one and only son. Yeah. I mean, I just wanted to point out how big of a deal this would be, because we all know that Abraham was impatient for this um, and he Mm -hmm. and Sarah tried to take it upon themselves to have the promised child. And we all know how that worked out between Hagar and with Ishmael Ishmael and things. Mm -hmm. And now finally Abraham has this promised child and God's telling him to kill him. Yeah. Slaughter him is the word that they use multiple times throughout this chapter. Um, You know, as a parent myself, I've often thought about this how hard it would be for me to be able to do that and how strong your faith must be. I mean, today, if God came to you and said, Whitney, go up on a mountain, sacrifice your son to me, would you do it? I would like to think that I would, knowing that he would stop stop me before I did it. But at the same time, if we're being perfectly honest with you, I don't know that I could. Yeah. It would be really hard. And yeah. like for like you or for like people who maybe don't have children, it may be harder to relate. Like okay. think about your your dog. I was just going to say that. I was yeah. like, I couldn't. Like if I had Even to go take dog. my dog. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. Yes. No, take it me would instead. be so hard. <laughs> yeah. So God instructs Abraham to go up onto a mountain and sacrifice his son. And so Abraham, being the obedient servant that he is, rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, took two of his servants and his son and gathered all the things he needed for the burnt offering and went on his way to the mountain. Yeah. So it was about three days of traveling. So again, going back to the whole you have to sacrifice your only, and they say multiple times, the, the son that you love, your beloved son, yep. having three days to think and to stew on that. Ugh. It would be so to change your mind hard. To just be like, and like, exactly. And nobody else with him knows this. No. So they're just oh. like thinking they're going to do, you know, a, a normal chore, thing. Yeah. Trade. Yeah. Do something yeah. different. Like, what did he tell his people? We're, yeah, we're going to go do a sacrifice because, I mean, he, it says he gathered all the wood, like yeah. you said, and yeah. packed everything up. So they probably j- just assumed yeah. that it was going to be like any other time. So the bigger question is, what did he tell Sarah? I was, that was one of the questions I was going to ask is like, what do you think, like, did he tell her? No, I doubt it. Especially like as a mother who, after all of this... She would have mama bared him and I can imagine <laughs> no. like, mm-mm. Uh-uh. nope, nope. He probably didn't let her in on what was actually happening. He probably was just like, hey, we're going to go. I'm going to teach him how to do a burnt offering and it's going to be on this place. You know, we'll probably be gone for a couple of days. Like he exactly. probably didn't 
divulge any details exactly and it probably never crossed sarah's mind because he probably did this before oh yeah like he packed this stuff up he took his son because he was teaching his son to be a righteous man just like himself Mm -hmm. you know like he did previously with lot that type of thing and so she probably didn't even think one way out of it you know yep So so after three days of traveling yeah he looks up and he sees the mountain where God wants him to go and he tells his servants to stay behind with the the donkeys and everything and we're just going to go up onto the mountain and do our burnt offering and worship. So Abraham took all of the things and told Isaac basically to carry it. And then Isaac wants to know, well, where's where's the lamb or where's the animal that we're going to sacrifice? Yeah. But before that, in verse seven, he says, and Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. It it mirrors exactly what God said to Abraham in in verse one. Um, I just thought that was interesting that it was God, the father talking to his son, Mm -hmm. Abraham. And then they said the exact same thing. Yes. So, and then yes, Abraham or Isaac was like, where's the lamb that we're going to sacrifice? And Abraham told him, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So Isaac is unaware of the situation at hand as well. Yeah. Now, I kind of wanted to use this moment to talk about the maturity of Abraham's faith. Yeah. So even just in our last episode, he was still doing this foolishness of trying to control his destiny, his future by lying to the, was it the Pharaoh in Egypt? You know, yeah. And yes. And, you know, previously, as we said, with Hagar and Ishmael and now we're at the point where Abraham is willing to sacrifice his own son knowing that God is going to take care of him Um, and we even find out later then in Hebrews what Abraham thought was going to happen was is that God was going to raise Isaac from the dead after he sacrificed him yep and I have that it's kind of funny we both made those connections that in the past, when Abraham was going and basically tricking these people into getting all of this wealth because he was saying, Sarah's my sister, we were saying, well, he knew that God would take care of him in those instances. But in this instance, he knows that God's going to take care of him because God has promised on himself to bring the mis- mis- <laughs> The multitudes of nations. The multitudes of nations, Jesus Christ himself through Isaac. So he knows that either God's not going to let him kill his son, or if he does kill his son, he's going to bring him back from the dead. Yeah. Like only God can do. Yeah. So, and I just completely forgot, but chapter 22, verse 1 It says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am, blah, 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 right? The tested in this is not talking about trialing him to do wrong. It's testing his faith. Like you were saying, his maturity and his faith. He's testing him to see if he's ready to move on to the next step of his life, of the promise of everything else. Exactly. So it's kind of like how... In our lives, we are tested, I feel like, by God, especially believers in the testing of our faith. We are put through situations where we need to turn to God. We need to ask God for help, ask him for forgiveness in those specific instances. And I feel like that's God's way of testing us today. He's not saying go and kill your kid. but (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's not nearly as dramatic. No, no. You know, and like we've talked about with like miracles and that type of thing, like just because it's not something dramatic or like in your face, yeah, doesn't mean that it's not there and it's not happening. Yeah. So, and I just wanted to also point out that there's a difference between God testing you as a disciple of Christ versus Satan testing you Mm -hmm. because there's testing and there's temptation exactly so god is never going to tempt you into doing wrong or sin or something that could hurt you um whereas satan when he tested jesus yeah he was doing that so he would go back on the commandments he was doing it so he would sin and fall far from grace which ultimately jesus didn't do exactly because he can't (laughs) exactly exactly um 
sorry so, i kind of had to like backpedal a little bit no there. you're fine no that was good yes so his faith is confirmed in his obedience to kill isaac basically yes. yeah absolutely so you know they arrive at the mountain they they're getting everything ready to go up to on top isaac says you know where's the lamb abraham says god will provide the lamb for us mm-hmm. Um, and it says, when we get there, now I read this because I have a question. Okay. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, mm. and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. So at this point, Isaac's realizing what's going on. He's like, oh, crap, I'm about to die. My question is, do you think this was a situation of method because of abraham's faith he's telling isaac don't worry god's gonna take care of us it's gonna be fine or do you think it was a situation of chaos where abraham's crying isaac is hysterical fighting his dad not to be tied up and put on the altar or is he being obedient kind of which was a big deal then and listening and entrusting your parents especially a son to a father because i could see it either way i was just curious as to what your opinion was um, i would like to think that it is method and that And Abraham telling his son, Isaac, it is okay. God is going to take care of you without actually telling him what's about to happen. um, You would think that he would have a calm over him being a righteous, (laughs) being a righteous man as Abraham is. And as Isaac becomes, because he's still growing in his faith, we don't really know how old he is at this point, but you know, you can assume he's either probably like seven or eight or he could put it could be in like his yeah middle years like 10 to 12 yeah that's the age range i was thinking too yeah so he's probably still looking to his father is like okay i trust you exactly and can we talk for a second about the no we're gonna we're gonna get that till after okay we're gonna just remind me i have a little mental note (laughs) (laughs) but yes i i can see either way because especially the verbiage they use here um Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Mm -hmm, Slaughter as in like a fight or flight of life. So they slaughter the lamb because the lamb is fighting. They have to cut its throat. throat. Yeah. So I don't know. I could see it either way, but I would, I like to think that it's Isaac trusting his father saying, okay, well, if this is the way I got to go, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, either way, I'm sure he's scared. I'm sure. Yeah. But so after he raises a knife to, to cut his he's about throat, to do it he's about to do it the angel of the lord calls out to him from heaven and says abraham abraham whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. stop 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 i'm here hold like, up I'm here. do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him for now i know that you fear god seeing you have not withheld your son your only son from me so, like you said in the previous episodes, the angel of the Lord, do you think it's one of those messenger angels? Like, yeah. it's directly word of God? I do. I do, yeah. Because I feel like if it were God himself, it would have said, God, said. God just, yeah. you know, God was there, God came down, or God called from heaven. And I think he says, in he speaks in first person because, again, he is a messenger. He is to be the mouth of the word of God. Yeah. So he's speaking as God, even though the angel himself is not God. And I kind of want to rewind just for a second to, here because this was something that was hard, not really hard for me to grasp, but mm-hmm. it just kind of like never really clicked actually until... Um, this morning when the pastor was talking about the fear of God, Mm -hmm. the fear of God does not mean that you are scared Mm -hmm. of God. It means knowing God and knowing his ways. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to throw that out there for anybody else that may be like, "Mm, why? I don't fear God. I'm not scared of him. You shouldn't be afraid of him. So afraid of his wrath. Different story. (laughs) i think maybe it's one of those things i'm really interested to know if like love the word fear has multiple different words in hebrew and it's not necessarily scared fear yeah you know yeah yeah Um, because that's a good point yeah yeah so he says you have not withheld your son your only son from me as in god is saying you haven't 
withheld your son as you would have gone through with this burnt sacrifice and given your son to me. Um, and my Bible says Abraham's actions of offering up his son points forward to the God, the father's providing provision of his only son as the final sacrifice for sin. So it's kind of mirroring Jesus yeah. on the cross, yeah. whereas, you know, he actually went through with it. Yes. So the angel cries out, don't do it, stop. Um, and so Abraham, you know, obviously I'm sure drops his knife, probably is in tears, happy and sad tears because he was about to take the life Can of his son. Can you imagine like the fight or flight adrenaline coursing through the veins? Like, like he would be shaking. Yeah, I'm sure. That's what I was like. Do you think it was mad? Like, do you think it was a scene of chaos oh my gosh. or method? Like, what if he's like this? He's he's taking his son. He's biting him. He's like, don't worry, God's got us. We got this. Like he's in like a manic state that's what I'm of saying. mind. Yeah, and is Isaac like okay? Yeah, like I know he's gonna take care of no, me. Or Just is like, he God like, oh my gosh, like, this guy's crazy, God's gone nuts. He's, he's nuts. lost it, and now I'm gonna die. So is he fighting back because since he thinks his dad's lost his mind, or is he just like taking it? No, you I know? see it both ways. That's I what I'm saying. <laughs> like, whoa. there's stages of manic and there's stages of calm yes. like that's how i see it yes <laughs> yes but okay anyway yeah um so, so he's not killed his son the angels come down and said stop 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 so abraham looks up and he sees a ram stuck in the thicket or like a bush of yeah thorns or whatever by his horns and so instead of his son he offers that ram up for the burnt soft offering um and then he calls the name of the place the lord will provide uh, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Because he always does. Mm-hmm. Always. Um, so really the only other thing I had to point out in this chapter, and we'll talk about it a little bit more in the next episode, was is that now at this point, both of Abraham's sons have had a near-death experience. Oh, I guess Ishmael so. yeah. nearly dying in the desert yep and the angel of the lord appearing and now isaac nearly being sacrificed yeah Yeah. speaking of ishmael and last episode um our math was completely off way wrong (laughs) ishmael was like 18 19 laughing at like a five-year-old yeah um so i just i don't know i feel like when i read those chapters i feel like he's a baby because his mom puts him under a bush or like maybe yeah. drug his body under a but i don't know yeah. mm-hmm. so but anyway yes our math was way off sorry guys excuse <laughs> us on that so um yeah so after this can we talk about the ptsd emotional trauma that what this have, instance must have left isaac with yeah right like or or again which do you think that it was was it one of those I opened experiences like all this stuff. My dad has been talking about God. I now have seen and have felt and experienced firsthand. Yeah. With him. Yeah. I don't know. The whole the whole thing is just so wild, you know? Yeah. I see a bunch of things like uh, specifically about this story on social media uh, about how he's like Isaac and Abraham going for a father-son camping trip yeah. and how he's like no I'm not doing it no, I'm not going I'm not going <laughs> not doing it yes yeah. so after this the angel of the Lord called out to Abraham a second time from heaven and said by myself I have sworn declares the Lord because you have done this and have not withheld your son your only son I will surely surely bless you and I will Surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offering offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So, I mean, maybe it didn't leave him with a bunch of PTSD because he's hearing directly because Isaac was like, er, he was there. He's hearing the promise. I could see it either way, you know, and I also want to point out the verbiage in the that verse or verses mm-hmm. i believe i haven't looked up but i believe mirrors right when abraham was first called talking about how his offspring will be as many as the stars in the sky and as mm-hmm. the sand on the seashore 
I think it was dust of the earth. Of, of the earth, yeah. But he definitely says stars similar. in the sky, something like that. Yeah, very so. similar. I, it, at the same time, though, you would think that Abraham and Sarah would tell Isaac who he is, who God oh, has I'm told sure. him he yeah. is. Yeah, I'm sure he has. So none of this is probably new to him. Yeah. It's just confirmation, I guess, in a, in a way. Yeah, because you know how sometimes it's like you believe what you're told by teachers or by parents mm-hmm. or by, you know, elders or what have you. But then when you experience something for yourself, yeah, it hits different, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, um, we kind of, how do you shift. think they told, I'm sorry. sorry. How do you ahead. think they told Sarah? Oh, by the way, dad tried to kill me. Did they? I honestly, did they? I, they probably didn't. I don't think they would have. I feel like it would have been like, oh, hey, we're back from the burnt offering. You know, God spoke to us. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know how when, yeah. when your husband yeah. or your, your husband and your son go don't off ask, and they do tell. something, they're like, <laughs> don't tell your mother. Yeah. <laughs> I think right. that's exactly what yeah. happened. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> because it needs to know basis. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then when, you know, Isaac and Abraham go off on a camping trip and. He's coming to his mom all crying and like, please don't make the me PTSD. go. The PTSD. I don't want to go with him. And she's like, why? What's wrong? Bring Ishmael back. <laughs> Take him. No. Anyway. <laughs> so we kind of shift. Um, at the end of chapter 22, um, we're looking at basically the lines of Abraham. Yeah. Like descendants. Brothers, the descendants. And I think it's important. And maybe you also have this point. I do. It's important to note. This is where Isaac's. Wife. wife comes from yeah so this exact verses are now after these things it was told to abraham behold malachi i'm gonna say malachi also has born children to your brother nahor as his first burn buzz, <laughs> buzz his brother here his brother <laughs> kumel the father of aram i'm gonna butcher all these but she basically had ki- eight kids Mm -hmm. and then these eight malika born to nahor and abraham's brother moreover his concubine whose name was rimuna ruma whatever bore bore four kids basically yeah so of the children that malika bore to nahor which is abraham's brother um one of them was bethuel who was Mm -hmm. the father of rebecca who ends up being isaac's wife yeah which we'll and, talk about later. Yes. But also keep in mind that Malika um, was the daughter of Haran, who was also Nahor's brother. So it, Malika is Nahor's wife, but is also his niece. Yes. And I also, too, and I know we've talked about this before. Again, well, you know, we'll just talk about it when we get to that chapter. <laughs> okay. But that was the end of chapter 22. Um, 23 is about Sarah's death and her burial. Yeah. Now, I don't have many notes on chapter 23, other than the fact that this entire chapter is dedicated to the negotiation and purchase of the burial place for Sarah. So it opens with Sarah living 127 years, and, you know, she died in Hebron in the land of Canaan, and Abraham was very sad about the fact that his wife is dead. Yeah. And so he goes and he looks for a place to bury her amongst the Hittites. So he would say That's that. how I would say it. Yeah. So with that, a couple of things that I have wanted to point out and you, I'm sure, have similar notes is basically, so Sarah's wife, d- Sarah's wife, no. <laughs> Words are hard. Abraham's wife Sarah mm-hmm. died at 127 years. Can she was probably like what do you think 15 or 16 when she married Abraham? Can you imagine spending 120 years with somebody? That's a long time. And then for you to lose that person? Yeah. I would say Abraham went to mourn anyway. Yeah. Um, so Sarah dies and Abraham needs somewhere to bury her. So he goes to the Hittites and he says, you know, my wife died. I want to purchase some land to bury her. Now, up until this point, 
Abraham, even himself, still considers himself to be an immigrant, a foreigner. Oh, he is. Yeah, um, he makes because that he's, very clear. Yeah, because he's been sojourning in the land. In verse 4, he says, I'm a sojourner and a foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a bearing place that I may bear my dead out of my sight. Um, yeah, so. and so by recognizing that he's a foreigner in the land, most of the time people who were kind of migrant people they didn't they weren't allowed to purchase land they weren't allowed to have land in a place where they not they were not permanently living yeah so that's why he kind of has has to go and say hey i know i'm a foreigner my wife died please let me buy some land to bury her yeah and let's also keep in mind too abraham's been there for a long time i mean yeah he was a sojourner and you know, lived a nomadic lifestyle, but he's been in this region. Like the land of Canaan. Yes, for, for quite some time. And as we've said before, he was very wealthy. Yep. He had a lot of money, had a lot of stuff, livestock. People. Yes, people. Yep. So I'm sure that they knew him yep. and they knew of him. I'm sure that this is not his first dealing, you know, with this community of people. Yeah. Um, So I think that certainly helped his case. Um, And so they agree. They say, you know, yeah, in fact, take one of our tombs, Mm -hmm. you know, to bury her. And he's like, "Mm, I would like to purchase um, this very specific cave, you know, and he says the name of Ephron. Ephron. Ephron of the Hittites. The son of Zoar. Yes. Um, And he wants to purchase this cave yeah because yeah Mm -hmm. ifron was just going to give it to him abraham basically insists on paying for it and i think personally for a few reasons first of all um so that there's not cause for future conflict yeah because oh well you didn't pay for this or Mm -hmm. nope sorry you know when abraham eventually dies sorry isaac you can't bury your dad here he never paid for it Mm -hmm. um so that it can't be held over his head as some type of leverage yep like oh well you need to do this because i just gave you this um and then i think the last piece too the biggest part, at least to me anyway, is, is that now Abraham, God has allowed Abraham to officially put down roots in the promised land. Mm-hmm. He's officially given him a piece of this promised land. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he seeks to anchor his descendants in the promised land because the reason why he refused to let Abron gave it to him was because he wanted to establish beyond any doubt that that land that cave everything there was his and will be his descendants forever yeah um and like the whole bargaining thing he was very humble and like forthcoming about who he was and his stature within like the larger community but my my bible says about the whole Ephron saying i'll give it to you like don't pay me like what is a hundred or 400 silver whatever thingies between us like just bury your wife there it's fine it says out of respect for abraham Ephron offers to give the cave and field without payment Abraham refuses this offer in order to establish beyond doubt that the land in question will belong to him and his descendants forever. The generosity of the offer reflecting an ancient Near Eastern bargaining practices is perhaps intended to either obligate Abraham to respond with a gift of even greater value if accepted or to discourage Abraham from lengthy negotiation over the price. Exactly. So it's kind of like, yes, he did it out of respect, but at the same time, there was like a backhanded yeah so it's kind of like how when you say to someone as terrible as this sounds like i mean it's true though like oh yeah hey um sure do you want to come along but you don't really want them to come (laughs) along you know what i mean like that type of situation kind of yeah um and I also read that that price, the 400 shekels, they said now there's no way to define specifically how much that was because mm-hmm. the shekel was based off of market value. But that 400 shekels was thought to be a, quite a pricey a amount for what he was getting. It was a lot, especially since Jeremiah bought 
land for 17 shekels yeah like a, i'm pretty sure a bigger plot land yeah and i think that too just also goes to speak to again his wealth yeah. and how the lord had blessed him yep and how you know? he was just like no take the money like so he buys this cave he gets it they weigh out the money he doesn't argue he just does it he now he and his descendants now own a piece of the the promised land I had a question for you, and you sure. may, may or may not know the answer, oh. and I know a bunch of people have speculated the answer to this question, So, but there's really no biblical truth behind any of it. So yeah. why do you think he was insistent on buying this cave? What What's the name of it? The cave of... of no, it starts with an M. I know. No. It's called the Cave of Machpelah. That's how I would say it. Machpelah. Machpelah. I just want to say it. Makhpala. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, that word in Hebrew, I think, means twofold. Just FYI. Twofold. Twofold laundry? No. Like (laughs) T-W-O fold. Yes, I know. Anyway. um, (laughs) So why do you think that Abraham went and specifically wanted this cave of Makhpala? I honestly, I don't know. I don't know if it's because he wanted something outside of like the city or and he wanted something all of his own because he knew eventually his descendants would be buried there. Mm -hmm. I honestly have no idea. Yeah. Like today, it's called the Cave of the Patriarchs because we know that Sarah and Abraham are both buried here. Mm -hmm. Rebecca and Isaac are both buried here. Mm -hmm. And then Jacob, Jacob and, and Leah, Leah are both mm-hmm. buried here. Yes. Um, and some people speculate that Adam and Eve were also buried in the, some similar area around this cave. Um, there have been a lot of <laughs> sources that are not necessarily biblical yeah. no. um, at all that no. say that Abraham chose this place because he could, quote unquote, smell Eden and he thought it was like this gateway to Eden and and all of this, which, by the way, none of it is biblical. So no, no, I don't know. I just I, thought no, no. And I I truly think that if that's where, again, personal belief. I truly think that if any of that were true, we would have biblical evidence of yeah. that. You know, yeah, because we know previously we found that God took Enoch. We know that he's telling us now specifically, you know, where these mm-hmm. other people. Abraham. Know. Abraham is the first person in the Bible, right? I think that so. We know, yeah. Or Sarah, excuse me, was the first person in the, person in the Bible that we know exactly where they were buried. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because I don't remember previously reading anything about that. I remember reading that. Enoch did not die. He yeah. was just taken up to heaven yeah. when it was his time. But I don't ever remember reading or hearing anything else. Not even Noah. No, not even Noah. Yeah. I don't know. It was just like one of those things that I fell into a rabbit hole about this yeah, we cave of the patriarchs yeah. and why Abraham specifically chose this yeah. field and, and everything and where it was located at. And I know now they think they found it um, because it's like apparently this giant sacred place yeah a whole jewish muslim thing yeah like for those denominations um or for those religions excuse me but there's like this mosque or something built on top of it on top of it yeah yeah i I read somewhere that like the hole they dug down into this cave was only like 12 centimeters wide or something like that no that doesn't sound right but only a child was able to fit down there and like explore yeah um but they didn't really find anything but yeah mm. anyway <laughs> yes but other than just like historical curiosity like this doesn't really have any significance for christians no today no and i think the whole point of them talking in this case why specifically abraham is purchasing this land is yep. just to show now that god is fulfilling another part of his promise to abraham yeah. and giving him a part of the a part of the land. promised land yeah. and abraham knows god's told him you're not gonna see it like you're not gonna see your people getting the whole thing yeah you know it's gonna be a long time but it's gonna happen yeah. so i think this is just him him as in god showing us that he is fulfilling his word yep so i wonder what happens to it after 
uh, Jacob and Leah. You know what? I don't know. Because it doesn't pop back up again. No. I don't know. But anyway, that kind of ends chapter 23. Yeah. Um, it was a whole chapter dedicated to the purchase of this cave where Sarah and mm-hmm. Abraham and eventually all of his relevant descendants were buried. Yeah. Um, so moving on to chapter 24, we kind of shift from Abraham and Sarah to Isaac and Rebecca. Yes. Um, and it starts out by saying that Abraham was old advanced in years it literally says that no abraham was old we knew this like we knew this before isaac was born like he was crusty um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean and i'm sure that he was older than sarah and sarah was 127 years old so i wonder why she died before him because women outlive men 98 percent of the time yeah i don't know anyway those rabbit hole anyway so maybe it was because he didn't have a wife for isaac yet and he had to get her um, a wife oh man i don't know i have no idea. i'm just thinking divinely speaking maybe that's why i have no idea well god did say he would die in good old age so So, yeah anyway anyway um so abraham brings his servant the oldest of his household who had basically was the head guy he was hagger to abraham um and this part kind of confused me a little bit i was like when i first read it i was like he did what so the verse says it's verse two abraham said to his servant the oldest of his household who had charge of all that he had put your hand under my thigh that i may that i may make you swear by the lord the god of heaven and the god of earth that you will take not take away for my son from the daughters of the canaanites among whom i dwell Okay, so I do have a piece in the whole hand under the thigh thing, if yeah, you don't. Too. No, I do. But um, it's just like but, my little study section, but go ahead. Yes, it's probably literally the same thing for beta. I screenshotted mm-hmm. it from my study portion. <laughs> so uh, before we start talking about that, I kind of wanted to go back to the beginning of that verse where sure. Abraham talks about where he does and where he does not want a wife for Isaac from. Mm-hmm. So he does not want a wife for Isaac from the Canaanites. He wanted one from his clan, from his kinspeople. And um, maybe this had to do with, I'm thinking, you know, finding a woman with the same beliefs and righteousness that he has had. And now this is kind of going back to that piece where we were slightly talking about at the end of the 23 about how, you know, abraham technically married his half sister and you know the whole niece yes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so and i know we've talked about this before as well um that dna was still quite pure in those days so at that point it was okay for you to do that like it was just the thing because there was there were not nearly as many people or nearly as many variations of dna yeah and so, like, starting in Adam and Eve's time, it was necessary. Absolutely. To divide and yeah. conquer, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, like, now, I don't think as it is as necessary yeah. because people have spread yeah. and they've populated yeah. the earth and all this stuff. Exactly. But he's specifically saying, go to my kin and find a wife for my son. Exactly. He didn't want an adult idolizer wife for yeah. isaac out and, of the canaanites and think about it too kind of like going back to the whole when you die wouldn't you want to be buried buried with you know your family and things when you're thinking about the future of not only your child but like keep in mind that abraham knows isaac's going to be the father of ev- everybody yeah. basically the father of the nations mm-hmm. he wants someone that he's going to feel comfortable with that when knowing that when his time comes and he dies that isaac's going to be okay so of course he's going to want somebody you know that he's comfortable with or that he wants Mm -hmm. so to then um another thing that i was thinking also is at this point in time the canaanites they're becoming to be known as wicked and, and having wickedness. Really? Abraham knows firsthand what happens to wicked people. Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> you the know? Flood. 
So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so that's where we get the whole where Abraham wants a wife from Isaac from. I just thought that was important to point yeah. out because it's, I mean, he says very specifically, go to do not mm-hmm. pick a wife from wherever. Yeah. And later on in the chapter, he also says, don't take my son back there. Yeah. At yeah. All. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do, do it. it. Yeah. But um, the oldest of his household, the person he makes this charge to oath charge. Yeah. Thank you. Um, some people speculate it's Eliezer of Damascus, that person that he was like, who's my household? I'm just going to say Eliezer. that. Um, he's like the hagger to Sarah and Eliezer to yeah. Abraham. So yeah. he puts his hand under my thigh as in, do you have a thing about this? I just had this. I don't know. Maybe it's the same thing. And if it's not, because I was like, what? To me, that was me hand smacking my hand because I was so confused by it. I'm like, <laughs> obviously, this means something mm-hmm. because it's in there. But what? Yeah. So and again, maybe yours is different. But what mine says um, from the study portion is Genesis note on chapter 24, verse nine. The servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham since striking one side was possibly understood as a sign of remorse and submission, the placing of one's hand under the thigh of another may have indicated submission to that person's strength and authority. In any case, by undertaking this action, the servant binds himself to obey Abraham's request. Yeah. Mine says the loins. The loins were viewed as the source of vital and protective power. Such an oath is inviolable even after the death of the one who it was sworn. Yeah. So it's like so this unbreakable vow. Basically, it's like... Make the unbreakable vow. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what? Anyway. Uh, pinky promise. Yes. Basically, he's... It's a big deal it that is. he did this. And he's taking his most trusted advisor... Yeah, I mean, aside from Isaac, who stands to inherit everything, this guy would be next. Would be next in line. Yep. I mean, not counting Ishmael, but you know. Yep. So, you know, and again, I just had to note how Abraham very specifically says he does not want Isaac to go back there where he came from. So, yeah, because the servant was like, you know, perhaps the woman's not going to want to follow me back here. Um, and then he says, see to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord of God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and who spoke to me and swore to me, your offspring of, I will give this land and he will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. Yeah. So basically he's telling this servant that he's going to see a sign from the Lord saying that this woman's going to come back to you. He's going to. Or she's going to come back with you and she's going to become the wife for Isaac. Yeah. And so to to go back a little bit again as to why he didn't want Isaac to go back to that land was because, A, he didn't want Isaac to pull away from God. So mm-hmm. knowing where Abraham came from, you know, his father was an idol worshiper, yeah. was a pagan, basically. Yeah. Uh, he did not want Isaac to go back there for the fear of him, you know, pulling and falling away from God. But then also, too, knowing that Canaan is the future. Mm-hmm. Isaac is to be, you know, he is Abraham's offspring, and through him, he will have multitudes of nations. And so he wants him to stay where his future is. Yeah, His future is not back there. It's here and now yeah. so makes sense um so this servant basically takes people with him he takes camels with him he takes the best of basically everything abraham has gold jewelry that kind of stuff and he goes to the land um where abraham came from yeah so i kind of want to talk about that just sure. really quick so i just think it's interesting mesopotamia we- oh gosh yes sorry mesopotamia i was like where did he go (laughs) so i just wanted to talk about really quickly the significance of the fact that they say he took not only camels but specified 10 camels Mm. which we know the number seven and the number 10 in the eyes i believe 
signify number one completeness and perfection but camels as we found out in genesis chapter 12 signify great wealth yeah and this man took 10 like Mm -hmm. um on this super long journey so you know any woman of course anybody that they got that god appoints is gonna say yes because i mean that's god's plan but if you were the family of that woman would you not feel more comfortable knowing that she's gonna go to a place of great wealth type of thing yeah um and so again talks to abraham's wealth and how god has blessed him but this journey this is like a 550 mile journey that he's making back to Mesopotamia. It's Nahor, the city of Nahor. Yeah. In Mesopotamia. Yes. Um, it takes about 21 days just to get there. Almost a month of traveling. No, thank you. On camel. Can you imagine? No, thank you. And then having the fear of what if I do all this and she doesn't come back? That's anyway, his faith comes in. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So um, he makes his journey and he he gets there. And, sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> he gets there and he makes his camels like sit down by the well, basically. Yeah. Um, and he's waiting for the women to come out to draw the water. Uh, I guess this is like a thing that the women did at a certain time of day. Yeah. They came mm-hmm. out just to refill yeah. their water. Um, and the servant said, Oh Lord, God of my master, Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master, Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink and who shall say drink and I will be your, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed your servant, Isaac. For this, I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. So there's a few things in this. The steadfast love that they're talking about isn't necessarily like um, a love of a child or like, I love you, you know, like you say to your husband. Mm-hmm. It is a loyalty to a covenant relationship. Yeah. So he's like, remember, Abraham, remember the covenant you have made with him. Remember your promises about Isaac. Let the person you've appointed come out and say these things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I think, too, you know, I just finished listening to a whole series by R.C. Sproul about asking God for very specific things. Of course you did. And (laughs) of course I did right before we did this, God's hand. Anyway, um, it was just really interesting about how this servant asked for something. It's a very specific conversation that he asked to have. Very Very specific specific words. Um, Of course, intentional Mm -hmm. all around by everybody. But it's just really interesting because whenever we tend to ask for super specific things, what's the result? You know, Mm -hmm. it's not always that. So I just thought that was interesting. Um, So going to the very specific things that the servant is asking for, Mm -hmm. I think, too, um, shows us a few things about what the servant and what Isaac's father, Abraham, want for him, want for Isaac. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, in a partner, in a wife. Yeah. Um, he's asking, you know, let the woman who I say to, please let your jar down that I may drink. And then she says, drink. And I will also, you know, get drink for your camels. He wants somebody generous. He wants somebody kind. Um, Mm -hmm. and he wants somebody that has attributes like that of god yeah you know yeah so before he could even finish his prayer to god here comes rebecca um who was born to bethel Bethel? the son of malachi the wife of nahor abraham's brother came out with a jar of water on her shoulder so after he's praying to god he's like i'm here please send out this person make it known to me that this is your will basically um the first person he sees is rebecca who just happens to be abraham's kin yeah and i think it's interesting too is that before the servant even finishes praying 
Rebecca is coming towards him. Mm-hmm. God knows what the servant is going to ask for. And he knows what he and Abraham want for Isaac before they even have to ask for it. Well, and I also think that it's what God had planned for him. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, that's exactly all it. Could it. Be is God's timing. Yes. So what was asked in 2414 is exactly what happens in 24, 18 through 28. Like Rebecca's coming out. She's filling up her water pail. He's like, Hey, can I get a drink? And she's like, yeah, sure. Are these your camels? Let me water them. So like exactly what he asked for is exactly what he got. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. So like, if you think about it, it's like when we ask God for something super specific, number one, it's probably not in our best interest and it's coming out of a place of self-righteousness. Exactly. <laughs> yes. But when he asks for something for someone else, telling him, let me know your will, make this be like these specific things happen so I know that it is your will, they happen immediately. Yeah. Exactly. Because it is exactly what Exactly. And I think too, the servant you said, you know, about being self-serving or self-righteous is the servant was asking for their very these very specific things is because he wanted it to be very clear who God mm-hmm. wanted for Isaac. Yep. Not who his dad wanted, not who the servant wanted, who God wanted for yep. Isaac. And I just completely missed this in my notes, but Can we backpedal a second and talk about the respect and the trust that the servant had to have for Abraham and that Abraham had to have for the servant? Because he took 10 camels. He took multiple gifts that had to be worth a lot of money. The fineness of everything. He could have just left Left. and never came back. Yeah. Yeah. But that didn't happen. No. Like, can we talk about... The oath that he made with his servant. And if somebody today says, shakes your hand and say, I give you my word, that means jack crap. It means nothing. Absolutely nothing. It means nothing. And it just kind of goes to show how far we have fallen as humanity in a sense that you can't trust anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And without God, Mm -hmm. what, who do you have? Exactly. You know? Yep. So exactly. So anyway, keep going on um yes so after she had watered the camels um, hold on huh? can we Sorry. just talk about how much work that would have been to what water not only man but water all 10 camels with this jar until they were all done drinking she put it in a trough i don't care do you know how many trips to the well that would have been they were right beside i don't it. even like coming up the steps to come into your house <laughs> like it's okay can yeah. you imagine 10 camels how much water is that that's a lot I'm anyway sure. after 30 days of traveling yeah well they anyway. do have those humps to store up the water yep okay mm-hmm. anyway so the camels had finished drinking and the servant took a gold ring um and two bracelets and said, please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there any room in your father's house for us to stay? Like, I think this giving her the bracelets and the ring, yeah, was symbolic of saying, hey, I have a purpose for you. Can I talk mm-hmm. to your dad? Yeah. Basically. Like, she knew. At yeah. that point, I think she knew what was I feel like it was, it's custom. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. I believe so. Yeah. Um, you know, so he tells her and then she says you know yeah of course like yeah i'm the daughter of bethuel the son of mm-hmm. malachi blah 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 and the servant's like oh mm-hmm. and then <laughs> yes and then he immediately just bowed his head and and worshiped the lord and said blessed be the lord the god of my master abraham who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness towards my master as for me the lord has led me in the way of the house of my master's kinsmen and the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things yeah i think the fact that the servant immediately fell to his knees and fell on his face says it thank all god that mm-hmm. it's i think it speaks to uh, to abraham and to abraham's household like mm-hmm. how he ran things because obviously they knew God as well, and yep. they were righteous just like him. It wasn't just Abraham living his righteous life and letting his people do what they wanted type yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, back to the whole circumcision thing. Yep. Like, he him held his whole house accountable. House. So yep. so basically, she takes him back to his house, her house, and um, she meets her brother, which his name is Laban. Mm-hmm. 
And he recounts the entire story to her family, what happened, what was said, everything like that. So yeah. they, they knew it was from God. Yeah. Because before again, he even ate. Yeah. Because again, this is a very specific conversation. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think too, it's just a side note, but interesting enough to say that Laban, her brother, while Rebecca's father was not dead yet, they're thinking her father was probably so far in age that Laban was the acting father or like head of household at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after him, he tells him this, Laban and her father, Bethel answered and said, the thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good behold rebecca is before you take her and go and let her be the wife of your master's son as the lord has spoken exactly so they recognize exactly that it's from god exactly because they basically say well you asked for this very specific thing god gave it to you how can we dispute it and how can we not do god's will yep you know so they're just like take her and go and then doesn't somebody have some reservations about it well hang on one second i just want to say I think it's important too to know the fact that they acknowledge that it's God's will and they don't debate it. I mm-hmm. think that just goes to show that Rebecca and her family are ultra righteous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's her mother or somebody says, well, give her 10 days and then, and then we'll send her. Yeah. And the servant was like, no, nope. please don't delay me. The Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And so they asked Rebecca, which I thought was, interesting interesting very interesting like her because women didn't have a lot of say let's be all. real Mm-mm. what was their job produce heirs as Book. we've said yeah so uh so then you know rebecca was like i'm gonna go and then her family i think blessed them before yeah. they went on their way i think it's interesting the blessing that they give her um it says uh in verse 60 and they were blessed rebecca and said to her our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offsprings possess the gate of those who hate him. The gate of the enemy. Mm-hmm. Well, that and what did what did the angel of the Lord just say to Abraham in chapter twenty three when he sacrificed Isaac? Twenty two. The gate 22, of his enemy. Yes, sorry, exactly. May, he, may your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. Yeah, and also be as many as the stars in the sky and as seventeen the sa- grains of sand. Twenty two seventeen. Mm-hmm. I just interesting. Interesting. Um. So, you know, they leave. She goes with them. Um, and in sixty, we see now Isaac has returned. 62. Yes, I'm sorry, 62. Now Isaac has returned from, I don't know how to say that. Nope. Bear Lahai Raw and was dwelling in Nijeb. And this is what I think is an interesting part because tell me this is not also, again, divine intervention. Basically, in other words, God, mm-hmm. God's doing. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. Tell me that wasn't God's hand allowing Isaac to be the first one there to greet the servant and Rebecca upon their return. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's interesting that she saw him and dismounted the camel and then went and put on her. She covered herself because that's what's custom. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I never thought about that, that he was the first one there. Yeah. It's interesting, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because not... She was the first one he saw. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Yep. And it wasn't the servant going and telling Abraham to seek his approval. It wasn't... No. Isaac saw her and took her as his wife. Boom. Done. Yes. Can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> like, was that... You're, you're out meditating in a field. You look up, you see a, a chick on a camel. She covers herself. And then your servant comes up and be like... God told me this was your wife. And then you just take her in the tent and you're just like, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. You're my wife now. Yeah. <laughs> no whining and dining. No, no. <laughs> but I mean, I guess that's how it's done. No handshake. Like, hey, no. I'm Rebecca. Hey, I'm nice Isaac. Nice to meet you. Yeah, no. You know, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, nope. I'm sure there was, but you know. Okay. Oh, and she, and he loved her. I like that. Yeah. Oh. And then he was comforted after his mother's death. Yeah. So his mom dies and he gets a wife and is comforted by that. Yeah. Well, he's not alone anymore because you figure at this point, like yep. Abraham's 
old and not mm-hmm. really getting around too well. I mean, yeah, he has people, but like, yeah, who is he having not intimate as in like intimate, but like an intimate close relationship with that he can talk to about stuff because everybody talks. Yeah. You know, even then he needed a wife. Yeah. He needed a wife. He did. So that was the end of chapter 24. Yeah. Um, Unless you have anything else. I don't. Awesome. Yeah. So So, I think our favorite verse mm -hmm. was Genesis 22, 8. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. Yes. And that was Abraham telling his son that the Lord will provide the lamb for the offering. Yeah. Even though he had intentions to kill his son, there's a parallel here for what happens with Jesus Christ. And Absolutely. In the end of it, God does provide the sacrificial life. Yeah. Uh-huh. And speaks Love to the that verse. Yes. The amount of faith mm-hmm. that Abraham had. Obedience. And the amount of faith that we should have. Mm-hmm. You know. So. Yep. So on the next episode, we will be discussing Genesis chapters 25 through 26. It's only two chapters, but there's a lot to unpack. a lot in there. A lot to unpack in that episode. So the next episode will be up next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So with that, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We hope you've enjoyed the time we spent in God's Word, and we hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.